It is Wednesday, May 17th, and welcome to the Just Baseball Show. I'm Peter Apple, and that is Arm Layton, and today is the mailbag. We asked you to give us all the questions that you could on our social media pages at Just Baseball Show and at JustBB underscore media on Twitter. We have seven bangers. Arm and I are ready to answer them. But first, Arm, I have to read you a tweet. And while I do think it's kind of a crap story, it is the talk of baseball, at least on social media and, of course, on all radio waves across the country. So we're a baseball podcast and we have to talk about it. But I'm going to start with a tweet from Buster Only. There is an assumption on the Jays side that their pitcher slash catcher were betraying the identity of the forthcoming pitches last night. (laughs) And that this was being conveyed to Aaron Judge. And this is why he was glancing to his right for info. I don't know what Buster only was trying to say there. I can assume that he was saying that there might have been something that the Blue Jays were tipping pitches, but he used the word forthcoming. And he used a lot of big words that maybe I'm just not smart enough to understand. (laughs) That is a Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge was accused of cheating, which is a huge assessment. It's a huge assumption. The fact that he was standing in the box on camera, the Blue Jays announcer saw it too. He was glancing over to his own dugout and people on social media readily assumed that he was cheating. Was he cheating, Arm Layton? (laughs) I don't think so. You know, I... I'm, we were talking about it like before. I was like, I'm going to give somebody the benefit of the doubt like nine times out of ten when it comes to this stuff, especially when it's Aaron Judge. Like, salt, like Aaron Judge does everything right. I, and I, I think that there could have been a scenario where they're tipping pitches and you know something's coming from the dugout about, hey, catcher set up here. Uh, maybe you you give them a little like shout about that. That's not cheating. That's baseball. Like That's always been part of it. If they're not using video cameras and they're not using buzzers, which that ended up being BS anyways. But just for example, like if they're not using anything that's against the rules, if you are that obvious with where you're setting up and you are not, you know, being careful, how is that any different than all of it? Like uh, looking at a guy's glove being a certain way and knowing that that means curveball. And you know, like he was tipping pitches. Also really funny reply under the buster only thing. <laughs> Some guy put in quotes, betraying the identity of forthcoming pitches or just tipping pitches. You got a word minimum, like a high school essay question mark. And then Buster only said, do you need the text shorthand? LOL, OMG, does that make it easier? Um, so I just thought that was hilarious back and forth. But but back to the main point, like, I don't think that there was anything egregious going on, even if Judge was peeking at the dugout for them tipping the pitches or betraying the identity of the forthcoming pitches. Um, that's 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 fair game, dude. Like, that's that's totally fine. Even if that was what was happening, like, again, we're not talking about cameras and and banging on trash cans and technology and things like that. And talking about technology, it's increasingly harder to steal pitches with the use of pitch com, right? There's no fingers. The pitchers on the mound are tapping a button on their wrists or the catchers are calling their own pitches. So it's getting increasingly more challenging. To your point, if he was looking over the dugout and there was an obvious tell by the starting pitcher, or I think at the time it was Yimi Garcia, or was it throughout the entire game? I was watching the game. And at the same time, when he hit that home run, that was the sixth straight slider that he threw. And Aaron Judge did what Aaron Judge does, and that's hit the ball 430 feet to left field. Yeah, there's no evidence for you to think that he definitely was cheating. There's absolutely no evidence. Now, the response from Aaron Judge, I think, can elicit, you know, some rumors because it was kind of a 
a strange excuse. Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly what happened, but at the end of the day, Aaron Judge is a New York Yankee. And if a New York Yankee is caught in something that yes, could be of course. considered cheating on the outside, people want that to be the truth. Oh, of course. There is no evidence for what he did. You want him to be a cheater. You yeah. want the Yankees to be a cheater. So a lot of people out there are much more likely to watch the video, hear the Blue Jays announcers say that and say, yep, he was cheating. Oh, no, my, my favorite thing with the Jays announcers, cheating. my favorite thing with the Jays, we don't like to make these kind of accusations, but look but, at his eyes and look at this and look at this and look at this. Whenever like, you say something and then follow it with but, but you have to take everything that you yeah. just said back because you well you're admitting that you're yeah. doing what you don't want to do. You're right. doing it. And you're their arrival announcer. They want to beat the Yankees. The Yankees were beating the hell out of them in that game. Yeah. And of course they start freaking out. It, it was a gr- it was a great catch on the eyes, you know, and I think that was something that was super interesting within it. But at the same time, you know, like if they were tipping their pitches, Aaron Judge isn't going to say post game. Oh yeah, they were tipping pitches. I was getting a signal from the dugout. Again, that that's legal. You can do that. Like when we were in high school, if if we played a team where the catcher wouldn't vary, you know, the the signs with the runner on second, you know, right hand down in your lead would be a fastball, left hand down would be a breaking ball. Like that's not cheating. They're not banning us from from you know the league. Getting an edge. We're, we're not forfeiting. That, that's just a mistake on your end that we capitalized on. Like if in football, like there's so many examples. I don't even need to go into it. So. I think if it was tipping pitches, like Judge isn't just going to come out and say, yeah, they were tipping pitches uh, because they don't want to just give that up. So I, I really don't think that there's much to it. I do think that they were tipping pitches. I do think that there's a good chance that something was coming in that regard, but that's not cheating. Um, and, and that's, I think, the most of it. There's also a chance that nothing was happening. So, yeah, Judge is not a cheater and he is very good and he doesn't really need to cheat that much. Doesn't really need to. So. Back-to-back things, the Tim Anderson thing, people came out and said that Tim Mm -hmm. Anderson said, I hate this place. Then a couple of days later, Aaron Judge's eyes glance over at his dugout or the first baseman or something, and people immediately assume it's cheating. We can't just jump to these conclusions so quickly with absolutely zero evidence. If it comes out that Tim Anderson really did say, I hate this place, and it is confirmed, then we'll report on it. If... It's confirmed that Aaron Judge was cheating and he goes to the commissioner's office and he says, Aaron Judge, you got eight games of suspension. You got 10 games of suspension. We caught you. We will go down on him. But until we get evidence, we're not just going to assume random shit. We're not going to want to believe the controversy just for clicks. That's not who we are as a company. And we have to be better than that, people. We just have to be better I than mean, that. The, because the, the, every always, radio show, every radio show today is going to be saying that Aaron Judge cheated and that Tim Anderson said, I hate this place. And you have no evidence to do so. Well, that gets more clicks. That gets way gets more, more clicks. clicks. The very rational and always calculated media and social media uh, when it comes to those things. Also, Tim Anderson, like another guy, he's not that dumb. He's on first base. You're wide open. He's going to look at Jose Abreu and say, I hate this place. Like, come on. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into our um, our mailbag questions again. Thank you guys all for submitting them. And the first one is a really good one. What is the best possible starting rotation you could build using only pitchers from the Royals and the Oakland A's? And we can't include guys currently on the IL. (laughs) This from Eli Sussman. Eli Sussman on our Twitter. Great question. Good way to start us off. Get us in the laughing mood. The Royals and the Oakland A's, I know at least the Oakland A's have the worst starting rotation by ERA. And the Royals are certainly up there with them. I'll put Brady Singer on my rotation. Yeah, he's got to be in there. He's got to be on there. Um, I thought Chris Bubich was having a good start to the year. Of course, yeah. uh, unfortunately, he went down with Tommy John surgery, so he won't make it. Mason Miller, unfortunately, we can't have him because I think he's injured right now. <laughs> that caveat by Eli makes it so much harder, which I love. So by the way, for anyone who's listening, if you're listening and you're a Marlins fan, you definitely know about Fish Stripes. But for whatever reason, if that's somehow a case... Go check out Fish Stripes. Uh, they do an unbelievable job covering the Marlins, and that's all thanks to, to what Eli Sussman does over there. But um, fantastic question from Eli because it's giving me a headache. Um, Brady Singer. Where, how, how do you want to tackle this? So uh, do you want to go like from each team, the like shoe-in? Yes. Royals, I think the shoe-in is obviously Brady Singer. Like is, is Zach Granke a shoe-in? I think so. 
Like he has to be, right? Like he has to be. Even if he's not the two, like he's gonna be one of the five. He's gonna get outs. Okay. So we've got two there. We've got him. So we've got Singer. We've got Granky. Like JP Sears is a pitcher. He's a technically he, he does have he does have a left-handed arm. ERA under six. Can we eliminate Rachinsky, by the way? Like, I've come on your betting to. stream, I'm, and I'm like, that's my king fade. Like, that guy's throwing 88. Not, We're not putting Rachinsky. Yeah. He can't be in. I mean, Jordan Lyles did throw a nine-inning, four-earned outing the other day, followed by a seven-earned outing in, like, three innings. Technically, he's a starting pitcher arm. He does. He does also have two arms. He has two arms, and he throws for a major league team. Yes. So, <laughs> Singer. Okay, we got Singer. Grinky. I think Se- like Sears is Sears, pretty decent. Sears has to be up there. I was almost going to say James Caprillion, but he was optioned to AAA on the A's. Yes, but I almost prefer him. I know. No, he had a 10. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> this is insane. Jordan okay. Lyles has to be the four. Yeah, we need Lyles in there. I mean, he's going to get outs. Not many of them, but more outs than the other guys. Kyle Moeller, like, I, I liked him as a prospect. I, I like him. You know, I liked him going into this year, but you look at what he did in 12 innings last year, you look at what he's doing now. It's been rough. Do we go with him? Like, can we go with a minor leaguer? Is that legal? Is that is that allowed? No. I don't think <laughs> I don't think I'm we not can allowed. go with minor leaguers because the fifth option I think is pretty clear. We have to put Brad Keller in there. Like I know he's coming off an eight walk performance, <laughs> but he's 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 he has a good slider. He does have a good slider. I think it's like pretty good. Okay, it grades out above average. Uh, you know what's crazy? You know who I would consider in this? Who is who is the guy that can't Nate Eaton? Could we put Nate Eaton in the rotation? That guy was throwing fuzz when he came on the bump. You saw that, right? He was sitting like 93, 94. Could we go Nate He was Eaton? actually, he was blowing smoke. We'll have him as our sixth. So yeah, okay. our rotation. No, Brad, Brad Keller has been all right. Dude, he has a 4-3, 40 walks, 31 strikeouts. Not going to work. But he's got to be our five. He's got to be our five. He's in the rotation. So Holy we shit. have um, Brady Singer. Zach Grinke, Jordan Lyles, J.P. Sears, and Brad Keller. The Royals dominated this exercise. As they should. As they should. Holy crap. What a question, Eli. What a question. We got to put that one on Twitter. And and I just want to see what replies we get. I'm going to put that on our Twitter. um, Because that was unbelievable. You know people are going to be somehow angry about it. Like, yeah. oh, this guy got snubbed. Like, who cares? <laughs> like, <laughs> this guy got snubbed. All right. Our next question. If you could build your f- perfect five tool player, what tools from which players would you choose from around the league? That was asked by at Tanner Clifton. And this is such an awesome question. This is building the ultimate player in Major League Baseball. Yeah. Power. We're going to go with Aaron Judge, I think. Here, I'll do mine, then you do yours. Yeah. Because I have mine prepared. And we're looking I'll at the five. I'll just tell you if I'll change t- anything. There's a chance I might not change a thing. Like You might not change a thing. So we're looking at the five tools. The hit, the power, the field, the arm, and the speed. Let's start with the hit tool. I'm going to take Freddie Freeman of the Los Angeles Dodgers. It's just so consistent with him. And I know you could go with tons of different angles with him. You could go with Luis Rise, who's like Tony Gwynn or a bunch of different answers. But year in and year out, if I know a guy's going to hit 320, that's Freddie Freeman. His bat to ball skills are what's going to send him into the Hall of Fame one day. I think he has he's had an 80 grade hit tool, I think, for the past decade. So I'm going to go with Freddie Freeman as my hit tool guy from the power perspective. I'm going with the guy who had 62 home runs last year. I'm going with the guy who was allegedly cheating, and that's the only reason that he had a home run off Yimi Garcia on six straight <laughs> sliders. Give me a fucking break. I'm going with Aaron Judge of the power tool because that's the obvious answer, and he's not a cheater, you nimwits. All right, uh, the field tool. This is something that I was kind of going back and forth on, and I came to this conclusion. I still think 
Francisco Lindor is the best defender in Major League Baseball. I just will always think that. If you look at outs above average from 2021, he's fourth in Major League Baseball, and he's just such a perfect defender. He's got a bazooka arm. He's got crazy range. He's got buttery hands, I w- and he leads the league in war all the time, and he's a 270 hitter who hits 30 home runs. Yeah. It's because the defense is all world, year in, year out, and he plays shorts up. So if he was to go play the outfield, that's why I didn't take an outfielder. Because I feel like an infielder to an outfielder, they can adjust a little bit easier than an outfielder to an infielder. So I took the shortstop and went with Francisco Lindor. I think the person with the best arm in Major League Baseball is that man in Atlanta in right field. I think Ron Acuna Jr. has a legit bazooka on his arm. Like he's uh, you look at the leaderboards of velocity from players. He's either first or second every single year, because when he unloads on a ball, it's 96 to 97 from the outfield. That's what he's tracked right now. The only player in major league baseball with a higher velocity from the outfield or the infield is Brian Anderson on the Milwaukee Brewers, but I'm taking the guys consistently up on that leaderboard and the way he whips it through is just so aesthetically pleasing. So I'm taking Ronald Acuna Jr. in my arm in terms of speed. I was going back and forth between two, not rookies. One's a rookie. One's a second year guy. Bobby Wood Jr. just has game-changing speed. He absolutely has game-changing speed. It's an 80-grade hit tool. He's number one right speed now in tool, sprint speed. speed. What did I say? Hit tool. I no, wish. I meant, I be the best. The yeah, I know. I know. I know. Yeah. I, he'd be the best player in the history of the world, I think, if he had an 80-grade hit tool. But anyway, continue. So that's who I'm going with. But again, so many different answers. Who's your ultimate player? So the, also the interesting thing about the speed is – you have the sprint speed, but then you got the home to first and like home exactly. to second speeds, which are interesting too. So I'll get to that in a second. Judge power, like that. Come on, right, we don't need to talk about that. He just hit sixty-two. Uh, he, the, the the power with Judge is is a no-brainer. Um, when it comes to the defense, that was one that was really interesting for me too because Lindor's instincts, I think, are what put him over the top. Like he, you know, he's got pitch calm in his ear sometimes. Like he knows where to be. He he's so so heady defensively that yeah, I, I think you got to go with him too. And I think it's most impressive to be an elite defensive shortstop than it is to be an elite defensive, really anything else, maybe besides catcher. And I'm not going to throw a catcher in this. So I'm with you on those two going with the speed. I'm actually going to go with Corbin Carroll, who I know is probably your like runner up. Um, exactly. And the reason why I love Corbin is, you know, if you go by feet per second, Bobby Wood Jr.'s highest sprint speed is technically 0.2 feet per second higher but the way that Corbin Carroll cuts the bases is what really stands out to me. It's incredible. It's, it's incredible. absolutely incredible. And he's so fast out of the box. So home to first, Bobby Witt's 4.13. Oh, so slow. And then Corbin Carroll's 4.06, which is crazy. So it's just really the way that Corbin cuts the, the bases that sets him apart for me. Um, so that's that's who I've got speed-wise. And then Arm, I could go a few different directions. I didn't have the, the the arm strength in front of me. What's interesting is is Judge's throws are so low effort that I feel yeah. like he might be one of the most accurate when it comes to the throws. Where does he rank on velocity? Do you know? In terms of velocity, um, let me pull it up for you right here. So, yeah, so a while great you, way to do it yeah, oh, is yeah. to go to, um, just for anyone who wants to look at the yeah, arm yeah. strength leaderboard. So you go to Baseball Savant, you go to Leaderboards. Then you go to fielding and you click on arm strength. And as you can see, there's overall. So judge is not on the lead. Wow, he's way down there. Yeah, he is way down there. Where is he? I don't even see He's not even on there. Maybe he's not even on there. I don't know how it's not thrown enough balls. Maybe, but like, yeah, he has. Of course (laughs) he has. (laughs) That's so weird. Uh, I don't know. So anyway, maybe he but, broke it like Joey Gallo did on that home yeah. run. Like Judge is up there uh, because of how effortless you know the, the throws are. It shows on his Savant page, 88th percentile. But I, I really think like if he cut loose and let one fly, it would be. I think it would be up there with anybody. And I, I just love how accurate his throws are. So I'm probably going to go with Aaron Judge's arm as well. And then hit tool, I got to go with Arias. Maybe it's because I watch him a little bit more than anybody else would want to subject themselves to watching the Marlins. But 
What Arias does with the stick is just absurd. At 94% zone contact. And if, I, if I'm able to, to co- combine that with Judge's power, I think he'll hit 400. Um, because, you know, a lot of Arias' outs are like well-hit balls in the gap that get run down because it's 98 off the bat. You make that 110, he's splitting the gap every single time. So Arias, 94% zone contact, just you guy never swings and misses. I was thinking him or Quan. I'm going with Arias. With the, he's been better against lefties this year, um, and, and that's going to be my hit tool guy. I think that I hit every tool, right? Yeah. So you had speed for Carroll. I had speed for Bobby Witt. We both had Lindor on fielding. I had Acuna for arm. You had Aaron Judge. We both had power for Aaron Judge. And then from a hit tool perspective, you took Luis Arias. Yep. I took Freddie Freeman. Yeah. That was a pretty sick exercise. Let's yeah, get to question a, number three. Question. Great Let's question. get to question number three. What five relievers slash starters do you feel like could be good if they switch spots? <laughs> which starters would benefit to a switch to a closer? And which bullpen arms could be effective starters? What an interesting question from at DK2119. On Twitter, you brought this question up. Was there anyone that you were really thinking about that fits the criteria of this question? Um, Yeah. So, like, what's funny is I was thinking about it with, like, the Marlins immediately when I was looking at, like, Edward Cabrera. And I'm just like, dude, Edward Cabrera, like, he's been so frustrating with the walks. That guy's stuff is so crazy that you put that guy in the bullpen, like he could be lights out there. And I know that the Marlins want to try him as a starter and I would want to try him continuously as a starter as well, but that fastball would routinely be triple digits. And, and we know how nasty the stuff is. That was the first name I thought of. I'm like, dude, Eddie Cabrera, I think he would be 10 times more valuable right now, you know, just because of how much he struggled command wise out of the bullpen. Um, another one that I, I thought of too was, was Tanner Houck. Um, and I know he's kind of been back and forth, but right now they continue to try to keep Houck in the rotation because the Red Sox don't have a lot of options. Have you seen Houck's numbers first time through the lineup, second time through the lineup, third time through the lineup? It's like, brutal somebody tweeted out recently and and i'll pull those numbers up while you go through your guy but off the top those two guys i thought instantly would be great high leverage relievers we've seen how succeed out of the bullpen but um man he's been you know pretty iffy second third time through the lineup as a starter actually pretty terrible i'll pull that up now so my guy is not a guy who's ever going to be in the bullpen but it was someone who works off a two pitch mix that is currently struggling a little bit right now. And if he was moved into the bullpen, I think there's a possibility he could go down as the greatest closer of all time, or at least very similar to like an Edwin Diaz type. That's Hunter green. Yeah. Like Hunter green is fastball and slider. And he's setting records for the amount of times he's hit 100 miles an hour in the rotation. Imagine just in short spurts, In the bullpen, he would throw 105 miles an hour with a 92 mile an hour slider. He would be unhittable in one inning spurts. And for my reliever that I think could move into the rotation, and this is really off the cuff. This is a guy who I've just been watching for a while now, and he's got a three pitch mix that I like all of these different pitches. He's not super high effort. He doesn't rely on velocity in the bullpen. Like he doesn't just rely on electric stuff to get guys out in one inning spurts. I think Trevor Steffen of the Cleveland Guardians could actually move into the rotation if needed. Now, he never will yeah, uh, because he is a great bullpen arm, but he's a guy with a fastball, a slider, and a split finger. And the fastball isn't that great of a pitch. That's probably why he long-term wouldn't be able to get a ton of outs in the starting rotation. But I think he has two very good off-speed pitches, whether that be the slider and whether that be the split finger. And he throws both of those offerings north of 20% of the time with his slider being at 29%. He's not going to be a starter, 
But when I watch him and I come in, I see him coming in different innings. I sometimes see him in two inning spurts. I'm like, you could get outs over five innings. Yeah. So that's a guy who nobody was thinking about for this question, who I brought to the table. I'm like, I could see it. Will it happen? No. No. Could I see it? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's the thing with the other side of it is like the relievers, like the relievers for a reason. Yeah. Like I could choose Keegan time. Thompson or Albert yeah. Alzali or like guys who were starters who moved to the bullpen would be like, well, he was a starter. Yeah. So he could be a starter again. Yeah. Like I picked a guy who's never been a starter, but maybe. Uh, and for a similar reason, I I think, and, and there's no reason if it ain't broke, don't fix it. He's one of the best relievers in the game right now and has been for the last few years. But David Bednar, he's got a good three pitch mix. And, yeah. Like If you had to, like, let's say emergency scenario, David Bednar has to start and you're in game seven or you got to stretch him out. Like that's a guy that I think could be stretched out multiple th- times through a lineup because fastball is fantastic. He's got a curveball and then he's got the splitter. So it's it's a legit three pitch mix that he uses pretty well. And all three of which are, are pretty solid. The splitter has been, you know, a little bit iffy compared to what it was last year. But I'll go with the larger sample size last year, where it was spectacular. So he's got a legit three pitch mix there. And then I also have the Tanner Houck numbers. I think Houck could be like a legit closer or like a legit setup man with how nasty that that sweeper is. First time through the order this year, nineteen and two thirds innings. He's faced seventy two batters. He has a .92 ERA. Opponents are slashing one hundred nine, one ninety four, one twenty five. This comes from Tyler Milliken on Twitter. Second time through the lineup, 15 innings pitched, 72 batters faced, a 5.40 ERA. Opponents are hitting 369, 408, 523. He's a reliever, man. (laughs) And he'd be a damn good one. So I know the Red Sox need starters, but I mean, I've said it for a while. Like I think how, how could be a fantastic reliever. One more guy again, will never be a starter. I mean, maybe. I think Brian Abreu could just be like Christian Javier if they put him in the rotation oh for God, five innings. So he's gross. just so damn nasty. Like he's a two pitch guy. Of course, he throws his curveball about seven percent of the time. So technically, he could be a three pitch guy. But he is just so damn disgusting that I'm like, when he comes in for these two inning spurts, I'm like, nobody's touching shit. Yeah. So like, maybe if he just did it for four or five innings, that like he could give you close to quality starts. I really do think because he is just so disgusting. He's still young. His arm's still alive. Like if he threw, you know, if he started every sixth day and went four innings, I think he'd finish the year with like a two ERA. That'd be crazy. (laughs) That would be crazy. All right. Before we get into our next question, because we have four more, we got to talk about Arm So Rare team. And there's a lot of new competitions coming soon on So Rare. So now is the time to download Arm. Give us the update on the So Rare fantasy baseball front. Yeah, so bad week for me last week, which is annoying, but really fun update that I think it's good timing for our listeners because they can now pummel me. We're we actually been working with So Rare now to build our own league. So if you use if you click the link in our podcast description, you can enter a league and compete against us, compete against other just baseball listeners and um there's prizes that we can win within this league too. So they're giving away five MLB TV subscriptions to the top winners in our private league, which is super cool. And then we're going to be giving away like merch and some other things as well um, for winners each week. The first game week is going to be the May 22nd to May 25th. And then we're going to do, I think a total of six game weeks where they're going to be giving away or five, excuse me, where they're going to be giving away those MLB TV subscriptions and we'll be giving away just baseball merch. But it, I'm really excited about it because you get to draft your team. You get to keep those cards, of course, and then be in these private competitions with us where we get to compete against other just baseball listeners. You get to compete against myself, Peter, Jack, Colby, everybody. Um, so I'm really excited about that. For my team, it's been a one-man show. It's been Ronald Acuna Jr. So uh, if you're drafting you your team for the first time, definitely draft Ronnie. Um, my my other guys have been letting me down. I think... <laughs> I think Luis Arias is like four for his last 24. So that's been cooking me. Um, but yeah, we're really excited about this. You click the link in the podcast description, draft your team and, and enter the competition with us where uh, you, know, you, you can win those prizes and, and have some fun with us. Absolutely. You can find that link in the episode description. Um, just click the link. It's a completely free app and we'll be building our fantasy teams and competing against all the great listeners of the Just Baseball show. Let's move on to a guy who is struggling. And sometimes we get so many questions about the same player. So this comes from Hugh Montgomery on Instagram, but I said, and others, because this particular player 
was the most asked of why he is struggling right now. And that is Alec Manoa of the Toronto Blue Jays. So the question is, what's going on with Alec Manoa and why is he struggling so much? So at the beginning of the season, right, I pointed out, hey, Arm, hey, Jack, Manoa could run into some potential issues next year because a lot of his underlying metrics, it's not like I'm some genius and I brought this to you. We all knew it. It's just, I think we were just talking about it and it was like, hey, the XERA is a good amount higher. The FIP, the XIP, all these different numbers kind of point to some regression, but not this level no. of regression. Like I even think the biggest Alec Manoa hater in the entire world could have never projected as we sit here today that he has a 5-4-0 ERA and the highest XERA in all of baseball at 7.05. We didn't think that his walk rate would go from 6.5% to 15% this year, one of the highest in Major League Baseball. It ranks in the 8th percentile of walk rate. We didn't think that his strikeout rate would drop by 7%. We didn't think his hard hit rate would go up by 10%. We didn't think that every single metric would go from very solid to the worst in baseball. Yeah. And when you watch him pitch, it's not just, oh, he's walking guys. Like he's sometimes nowhere near the plate. These like two seam sinker type fastballs just fly out of the zone. He's not able to locate the slider. And there's some, like if you watch like a, you know, a compilation of all his strikeouts, like this stuff is still there. He's not just some bum now. But with the lack of command, with hitters teeing up his sinker so often and his fastball, it has been a horrific year for him. And when you watch him pitch, you don't think, all right, he's just getting kind of unlucky and he'll be back next start. You're like, how is this guy going to get out? Is it a pitch clock thing? Is it just the regression monster is after him? Like, what have you seen from Manoa? Dude, I, I think what, what you kind of, hit on there is is the, the the big key is the command is just gone he's landing his slider which you know that was the the go-to pitch that's the wipeout pitch he's landing it for a strike 49 percent of the time so you, you mentioned the slider or excuse me the sinker getting destroyed that's the one pitch he is throwing for a strike so guys are just sitting on the sinker sitting on the fastball and saying yeah all right buddy i dare you to locate that slider or change of you can't you can't, and he can't right now. So guys are just sitting dead right on the fastball and crushing it. And, and that's the craziest part. I'm just so surprised that this slider, which was so dynamite last year, and opponents hit a buck 90 against it. Now and they're the expected, hitting 370. Yeah. Like it, the, the expected stats against the slider were not good. Like you, you would have figured he, that pitch would always be there for him. It's not. Like he really just doesn't have a feel for it. I'm shocked that he is only landing at first strike 49% of the time. I mean, that is like, that is rough. That's a full 13% below what he had last year in terms of landing at first strike. So something's off with his delivery. Something's off with, you know, his release point, And he just can't find it right now. And and I feel for him because he's a special talent. We saw what he did last year. You don't pitch to a, a low twos by accident in the major leagues. You just don't do it. But like, and we figured he might regress a little bit, but if every expected stat went the way like it did it this year, he'd still be having a decent season. Like a seven, yeah, he'd be like a three five year. He'd be yeah. like a three five ERA guy, which is like we're like, yeah, he's not the two two guy, but like he's still pretty good. Like a three five ERA over one hundred eighty innings, that'd be a great year. Yeah, it's just five four seven oh five expected, like. This is a guy that's really fighting himself right now. I, I'm very worried about him. Like, I know the Yankees have been hot lately, sort of, in the past couple of games. But Alec Manoa usually pitches really well against the Yankees. And they fucked him up. Yeah. I, it's just, it's such a weird thing to watch because the numbers back it up. And then when you watch him, he looks like a completely different pitcher. Yeah. He doesn't look like he has that dog in him. He doesn't look like he has the confidence in his stuff. And like you're saying about the slider... First of all, he's not throwing it for a strike even close to the amount that he was last year. But the thing is, he's trying to now force it in the middle because he's like, I got to keep throwing the slider like it's my best pitch. I just got to put it in the strike zone. So he's leaving it middle and opponents are hitting 370 against it. You just, it's a complete switch up. 
So as we sit here today, are you, what's your confidence level that he makes it back to even an ERN or four? This year, I'm I'm worried. I don't know if he makes it back under four. You know, in the grand scheme, I think he figures it out. I think he works through it. You just believe but, in him, and so, like you have to. Like, but I I think this could just when it's all set. Like, I might I think he finishes with a low fours, and we say this was an ugly year, but he finished strong. Like, I I think that's what's going to happen because like right now he's hitting the worst point. Like, he's not getting better yet. He walked seven Yankees last start. Like, yeah, that that's not going to get better anytime soon. He's going to have to work through it, but. Also, look at Barrios. Like we saw Barrios struggle and the Blue Jays didn't really help him get out of it that much for the entirety of the year. Uh, so I, I think this might take a while. Grand scheme, Manoa, I think he'll be okay. He's a hard worker. He knows what he's doing. He's a, he's, he's a very good pitcher. He's very talented. But whatever he's working through right now, I think it's going to take some time. So I think this is end of, end of the day. I don't think he finishes below four this year. I don't think so either. And the Blue Jays are in trouble because they, of course, have Gosman, who's an absolute stud ace in our league. But then, like, Kikuchi has been better, but a couple of blow-ups recently. Thank goodness has been better. Thank yeah, goodness Chris, for Chris Bassett. Bassett. Chris Bassett has been unbelievable lately. I even apologize on Twitter because I was like, I have a weird feeling that he's not going to have a very good year this year. But he has. He started off really, really poorly over his past couple starts. He had, and I didn't give him enough credit for this because um, we brought up the Strider point and just, like, you know, I was making the comparisons, and I didn't give Chris Bassett the due that performance against the Braves was one of the best starts of the year of any pitcher. He was unbelievably good. Yeah, there was runners on base at, at certain points and he got out of, you know, some jams. But at the same time, that's the Braves. He didn't throw a nine inning, you know, couple hit hits performance against the with all due respect, the Oakland A's, yeah. or the Reds or teams like that. This was the Braves. There's going to be guys on. For the, for the fact that he limited that damage, really, really impressive. And he's going to be huge for the Blue Jays moving forward, considering yeah. that Alec Manoa is probably a 4-2 guy when it's yeah. all said and done this And if year. you take out that first start, which was a fucking disaster, where he gave up nine earned runs, he's been pretty damn good since then. You know, he's, Very he's done damn six, good. six innings, almost every single start except for one where he went five against the Mariners. And then the last two starts, he's gone seven. And he's got nine. Um, so, I mean, he's been helping keep them afloat right now, which is huge because the rest of the rotation uh, outside of Gosman, you know, has is, is been pretty shaky. And the Blue Jays have a very good bullpen, but the length that he's giving too. It's yeah. not just like five innings of one run ball. It's seven, it's eight, it's nine innings. So shout out Chris Bassett. I was definitely wrong, but we'll see how it ends up. Um, next question. What are your thoughts on a possible Mike Soroka call up considering the Braves recent rotation injuries? Assuming he is called up, do you think he will be good enough to stay up after Freed and Wright return? Asked by Shay Oz on Instagram. So I personally have quit following the Mike Soroka thing. It's just injury after injury. And like, I always keep an eye on it in the back of my head. I'm like, when is Mike Soroka coming up? But as soon as we get good news, I feel like we always see bad news. Yeah. So unfortunately for me, you know, I'm caught up on the Max Freed injury on the Kyle Wright injury. I know what's going on currently with the Braves, but are you caught up on what's been happening with Mike Soroka? And do you see him making an impact this year? Uh, I think he can be of value as like that swing man for them in terms of just, you know, spot start when you really need it, you know, a disaster game where you don't want to kill the bullpen. He can eat innings. But in terms of being a guy in that five man rotation, I like I, I don't think I don't think Soroka looks like that. Um, you look at his last three starts. Um, he's had a couple OK starts. So I started went four innings of three run ball to start before that. He went four innings of three run ball. But doing that in triple A's, that's not really going to point you towards the rotation. And then the game before that. Three innings, 10 hits, eight runs, uh, seven earned, no walks, 1K. Um, but then before that, he went six innings. So he's been very back and forth. This is a guy that's you know, torn his Achilles twice. So I, I feel like his body is you know, maybe not always going to be in perfect shape every start. And we kind of see the the discrepancies there. Like some starts, he's 91, 92. Other starts, he's 93, 94. I will say the last two starts have been the only time this year, really, where he's been back-to-back 93-mile-an-hour and above, you know, average fastball velocity. So that's something to watch. But I think counting on him as a a rotation piece would be 
a mistake. Like, I don't think they're going to do that, but I do think he could give them some like big league value as a multi-inning reliever, a guy that gets ground balls and, you know, can just help clean up the mess, like be that janitor pitcher for you. It's just sad. I mean, this guy was one of the great young pitchers when he first came up, finished in the top five of rookie in the year voting in the national league. Look like that next great young starting pitcher to pair with a guy like Max Fried. Like Kyle Wright wasn't in the conversation at that point. Like this is dating back years. What was this? 2019 where Mike Soroka was doing what he was doing. Yep. And then ever since then, it's just injury after injury. And I'm glad to see him doing being healthy. But at the yeah. same time, if you're not getting triple A hitters out consistently, like you're a major league pitcher, this should be rehab for you. This should be moderately easy. And the fact that he's struggling at that level doesn't give me confidence that facing big leaguers in the major leagues and really good teams that he's going to perform well. And I know that there's injuries within the Braves rotation, but I think the trade market is where they're going to pounce rather than relying on Mike Soroka to look like 2019 Soroka again. Yeah. You know, I just, and also like it might take a year for him to like fully get back. Like, I wouldn't throw him into the fire. Like maybe it's good for him to build up and pitch the whole year in AAA and just try to get anywhere near where he once was. I mean, there's a pretty catastrophic injury there. So yeah, I I just think it would be throwing him into the fire. What sucks for the Braves though, is Dylan Dodd has been really bad, (laughs) like really bad in triple. So I agree. Like they might have to go outside and it sucks because Kyle Wright looked like he really figured it out and then, you know, doesn't get to enjoy those rewards. Uh, But you look at the last handful of starts from Dylan Dodd. It's been rough. Um, The last two, he's given up a combined 12 earned runs and 16 hits. So I I think they're going to have to look outside Um, and it's going to be really interesting. I think Schuster can hold it down, but Dodd all of a sudden has come to back down to earth and just doesn't look like a rotation piece. We're debating Schuster or Dodd, maybe both, both end up making it with the injuries and now it's just Schuster. So they got some stuff to, to figure out there, but you know, Alex Anthopoulos always cooks, man. He always, that's what, that's why, like, I ain't worried about the Braves and Braves fans. When you have Alex Anthopoulos at the helm and you still have Strider, you still have Morton spinning this unbelievable curveball. You know, every single, every fifth day on stream, I've been a culprit of this. Other people have too. Charlie Morton, his XERA is due for regression. I'm like, he just keeps spinning that curveball and he's saying, screw your expected ERA. Like he just keeps shoving. And Bryce Elder is the same thing. These guys are just getting outs. So they have those three and they're going to get right and freed back at some point. And Soroka would just be the cherry on top of the Sunday if he can give you anything. Exactly. Because they still have Schuster, they still have Dodd. So it's like they can weather the storm. And then, of course, they're going to be in the trade market. So for the Braves, I'm not worried at all. For Mike Soroka, the player, I'm a little bit worried right now, but I'm hoping for the best. Yeah, I think the good news is that he's on the mound, pitching every fifth day and not feeling any physical issues. I That's think you got to give him give him 15, 20 starts and then reassess. Let's Long do it. Time off. Sixth question. Perfect for Armland. What are some <laughs> prospects that could come up and make an impact right now for teams that are struggling? We just saw Matt McClain come up. I know that you guys spoke about that on the last show for the Cincinnati Reds, but I know Reds fans are clamoring for Christian and Encarnacion Strand. I know Guardians fans want to see Bo Naylor up. Who are a lot of the guys? for teams right now that are struggling who you think have prospects ready to contribute right now. Yeah. So I'm looking at the Mets specifically with Dan Vogelbach, their platoon DH who can't run. And Mark Vientos is going crazy right now, like going nuts in triple a. And I think he's answered everything that he's needed to answer. Like last year, he put up great numbers in triple, but struggled against breaking balls. And, you know, then we saw him kind of struggle in the big leagues. Now he's crushing breaking balls. I think his OPS is up like three, 400 points against breaking balls. So I think Vantos is as ready as it gets. Seems like he homers every single day. His strikeout rates way down. His power output somehow up. Uh, he's walking. Like Vientos to me is like the number one guy who I think could really make an impact for a team that's that's pretty much big league ready. You mentioned Christian Encarnacion Strand. I think he could absolutely help. Libertor, we've mentioned with the Cardinals. I think he could absolutely help. And then one other name that's interesting. I know that the Orioles have like kind of this crazy log jam and they just sent down Kyle Stowers, who you know, has been struggling a little bit. But I think Colton Kowser 
looks just about ready. You don't have to put him in against lefties. He can be the right side of the platoon, but he can play all three outfield spots. He hits the crap out of the baseball. His field of hits pretty good. I know the strikeout rate's pretty high, but he, he strikes me as a guy that'll be able to make that transition. Colton Kowser with the Orioles is another guy that I, I think is just about ready. And then I don't know why Taj Bradley's in the minors. I know he like had a couple rough starts, but like that guy needs to be up. Like let him work through it at the big league level. He can help you now. What about, um, I know a couple of those players that I mentioned, Christian Encarnacion Strand with the Reds, like they just called up McLean. Yeah. We're calling up Brandon Williamson today. Do you think he's next up or do you think maybe not so ready yet? I think Encarnacion Strand should be the next guy up. I think we were, we were talking about that. Might have been on yesterday's episode. And, and and what I like about him is like he's always been somebody that doesn't walk and people are going to say, oh, well, let's wait for him to walk more. Let's see the approach get better. He's never walked and he's always hit. So I think it's now like, what else does he have to prove? Let's just see if he can do it at the big league level. There's nothing else to prove. He's not going to magically start walking now. He is succeeding with the way that he approaches the game, with the way he approaches his at-bats. Let's see if it works at the big league level. That guy has foul pole to foul pole power, and they need some help at first, obviously. I think he can make them better right now. I don't see why they don't call up Encarnacion Strand. That's another one that I think is, is just about ready. Phenomenal. All right, we got our last question, and it's an easy one, and it's asked by pretty much everyone. So Alec Manoa was the most common player that was asked in our comment section, and this team was easily, yeah, easily the most asked team. And apparently you guys were ripping them yesterday, and for good reason, it's been a clown show. But they're playing better baseball. So the question is, are the Cardinals back? Asked by everyone. Yeah. It's so they did win 18 to one against the Milwaukee Brewers and they are playing base. I even tweeted out because I wanted to get Cardinals Nation fired up because they should be excited, right? Like you went through just a horrible, horrible couple of weeks. You couldn't win at all. You're rattling off like loss after loss after loss and everything was coming down. But then on Sunday night baseball, they play really well in that Red Sox series. They play really well. And then they turn around in a supposed letdown spot and put up 18 runs. And that was Jack Flaherty against Freddie Peralta, a matchup who they just lost not too long ago. We just made they fun of him to too. Freddie. We just made exactly. fun of him too. He strikes out 10. <laughs> strikes out 10, six dominant innings. Seven, I think. Seven. I think yeah, seven. I think it was seven. It was seven. They're heating back up again. It's just, and shout out Paul Goldschmidt for a minute. Like I, everyone wants to talk about Aaron Dotto and for good reason, because he wasn't looking good and he's been absolutely on fire lately, not taking away anything from him. But Paul Goldschmidt, again, is having kind of an under the radar type season, you know, with turmoil in St. Louis, he's getting older. You know, the quality of contact last year was a little bit suspect. It's like, eh, is he going to do it again? Yeah, he's doing it again. And he's proving why he's on a Hall of Fame track. Yep. He's he's really like what he has done in the second phase of his career has really put him right on the Cooper Amazing. Track. Because he, he was a guy that, you know, kind of broke in a little bit later for for, for the Hall of Fame types because yes. you know, he really had his first full season at 24, but really didn't get rolling until 25. And, you know, as a hitter like him, it, you, you got to really, really do it from like 23 to, to 40 to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, and, and he has to be really good on the back half of his career. And he's like playing his best baseball now at age 34, 35, and hopefully onward. This guy's I pretty much putting himself on that Cooper soundtrack. I think he's awesome. figured he's figured out hitting. Yeah. That's he, what I like. Freddie Freeman. And these guys, they figured it out. And it's themselves. just like, like they just figured we're going to get out sometimes. Version. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. Best um, version of themselves. Unbelievable. So the one thing I will say about the Cardinals, we ripped them and it was more about the, the Wilson Contreras situation. I think it's a great sign that this team is showing signs of life. And that offensive yes. onslaught was awesome. But we were saying it from this lens, like if they turn things around, make the playoffs and then get bounced again, like is Ali Marmol in the hot seat? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the one side of it. The flip side is they look good. The offense looks good. Arenado's coming alive. And I think we're going to get to the point where the Cardinals are going to be what we thought they were initially, which is really good offense. Pitching's a little suspect. And, you know, is this team built for the playoffs? How do they answer that? Um, so I, I will say like, I don't think this team's doomed. I think that there is going to be some ups and downs. I'm interested to see how it continues, but they're not going to score 18 runs every game. They're not going to come back in the ninth, every single game. Like they did multiple times against Kenley Jansen. Um, uh, y- you can't win that way. That's not sustainable. I'm glad to see them showing signs of life, 
but they still got to address some issues. And, you know, hopefully things are starting to get a little bit better inside the clubhouse there too. Here's my one problem with the Cardinals. One game, winner take all. And maybe this will never be a thing, but in the playoffs, it certainly will matter. Who's starting game one? Jack Flaherty. No, Jordan Montgomery. I mean, that that can't be it. You're guaranteed at a disadvantage. Guaranteed at a disadvantage. And like your offense has to be so unbelievable. Your bullpen has to be so unbelievable. Your defense has to be so unbelievable just to get by. And like, that's why I look at the Cardinals and I say, this doesn't seem like a team that even if they make the playoffs will be competitive. Do I think they can be competitive in the regular season? Absolutely. Do I still like them as a team? Absolutely. Do I still love watching them? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. But the Central is wide open, and that's why it's one of the more exciting races in Major League Baseball. You got the Cardinals, you got the Cubs, you got the Brewers, and you still got the Pirates just hanging in there. And who knows? Maybe the Reds call up and Cardasio Strand, and he has 60 home runs. Who knows? And call up Ellie too. Just yeah, call just up bring, Ellie, up the, bring up that whole triple A team and call just up put all the chips forward. <laughs> yeah, call up Andrew Abbott. I, I think it's I think they're you know it's they're showing signs of life. That's good, but this team's still got a lot of things to figure out. Um, and you know, I think it's good that they can try to tread water, get close to five hundred, the division's wide open, but they got to address a lot of things. So I'll say Cardinals are showing important signs of life because if they weren't doing this by now. They were going to, you know, by the end of May, we would have had to start to sound the alarms and say, yeah, they're, they're cooked. I think they're showing signs of life, but they're still going to need more. They're going to need to, to, to get, you know, kind of a wind at their back now that they're climbing out of this hole. I'm interested to see how they do that. But Arenado heating up, I think, is a huge, huge, huge step for them in that process as well. And that'll do it for this episode of the Just Baseball Show. We are sponsored and powered by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. For all my not gamblers out there, use code JBFANS when you download BetMGM, whether that be on your smartphone or on your computer. And make sure to use code JBFANS when you wager $10 on any MLB money line. You will see $100 in bonus bets in your account once that bet is settled. Depending on the state, $200 in bonus bets. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Make sure, talking about free apps here, Click the link in the episode description, download so rare and join our league. We're going to be competing against each other. We're going to be talking about it on the podcast. It's going to be such a blast. Make sure to get into that competition. We get questions all the time. We need a fantasy baseball league. We're doing it right here yeah. on so rare. Download it. It is in the episode description. Again, it's completely free. Come play fantasy baseball with the boys. Yeah. Get your just baseball merch. I'm rocking the polo. Arm doesn't have any just baseball merch right now because he hates his own company. Hates his own company. (laughs) Hates his own company. I wear it so much I had to wash it. That's true. We wear it so much that we got to wash it. I'm I'm going through all these different shirts. Get yours in the episode description. It's the best way to support this podcast. And another way to support, rate this podcast five stars, whether it be on Spotify or Apple Podcast. Yeah. Leave a written review. Someone give us a one star and said we talk about football too much. Like, yeah, help us get get the the rating back up. That was so mean. Such what, a dick what, move. What, like one episode, we talked about the NFL draft for like ten minutes. Like, I leave a rating and say that my voice sucks or something, and give me. A, but like, at least have it be for a good reason. So yeah, yeah. If you could if you could help us get back from that one star, that one hurt. That one hurt. But we're gonna make it back. Appreciate you guys all listening. Remember, all the links are in the episode description. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button, hit that subscribe button, and comment some other things that you would like to see from us. And with that, thank you, everybody.